I have the one and only founder of Highlight Her and the person who coined the phrase, the WNBA is so important. Yep, that's Ari Chambers is here to discuss one of the most salient off-court issues in the WNBA right now. And that's travel. Oh, the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. It starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. Hello, and you. Hello, yes, and hello, listeners. You are locked on to women's basketball. I am Jackie Powell, as some of you may know. I host this show mostly on Fridays. I cover the New York Liberty here at the next, and I help with our social media strategy as well, and I've covered this league nationally at many other places. We want to thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at the next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. If you subscribe now, you can get 27% off our typical price in honor of the WNBA's 27th season. That is $52.56 for a year. That is a discount off of what is usually $72 per year. Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So last time you and I, dear listener, were together, I had James Kay on, and we discussed the news that came out of Chicago about their ownership structure, the franchise valuation, and their plans for a new facility. It was really interesting to see how different franchises in the W are approaching competition with one another off the court, and the Sky are a prime example of this. But today... Ari and I are going to discuss WNBA travel. And it was funny, a day following the release of my show with James, you all know what happened that opened the floodgates when it came to how we talk about WNBA travel. So in segment one, we're going to talk about what happened to BG and what we learned from how that situation was handled. Segment two, we're going to talk about how WNBA teams and the Players Union are trying the best they can to bend the line rather than break it when it comes to WNBA travel. And then segment three, which I like to call, why does it have to be this way? (laughs) We're going to sort of go into, I guess, the history when it comes to travel in the MNBA And there's a wonderful piece that Lindsay Gibbs of Power Plays News wrote about this a couple of months ago that sort of begs the question, again, of why does it have to be this way? So anyway, that is our roadmap. Hello, Ari. It is such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. Um, 
you know, it just feels like yesterday when I first met you at the Westchester County Center. But anyway, welcome to the show. I know Westchester is dear to your heart, but Jackie, no more treks up there. And it's funny because like, I was like, hey, Jackie, hey, in your intro and you have this nice clean read. I'm just interrupting. Ah, Story of my life. (laughs) You know, anything goes here. I mean... That's, it is, it is quite all right. We, we love having someone who has been as dialed in to not only this league, but to really the players and what they go through their plight. And I can't think of someone who knows sort of the player experience better than you. And so hence why we're talking about this, because when we talk about WNBA travel, The player experience is very much something that is top of mind. Mm -hmm. So I think where I want to start, Ari, is, you know, if our listeners were living under a rock, I mean, I believe it was on June 10th, I want to say, when we heard about um, Brittany Griner being harassed by a Someone, yeah, a provocateur, I'm not saying that properly, but he is a right-winged person who just likes to cause a bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. That person harassed BG at a uh, Dallas airport and made the whole team feel very uncomfortable. So I guess where I want to start is, how did you react to that whole situation? I love BG and I have a really personal connection with her and it's heartbreaking that knowing that she went through all that trauma last year um, overseas that she comes home to her um, you know to her team and has to be subjected to that harassment violent behavior in that way and I just worry about her mental when things go like that, because it's it's hard for anybody. But given the circumstances, it, it's even more elevated and heightened. And I just want her protected. When I first heard about it, my mind didn't go to the entire league travel. It didn't, candidly. My mind went to protect Brittany at all costs. And the players agree right now, like the, the main focus is making sure Brittany Griner is safe because especially when you're in the in high profile in the way she is and had that circumstance in the way she did uh, and got brought back by the way she did as well, it subjects her to a lot of varying opinions, which is are confusing to me in, in general anyway, because you should just want her home. I think at the end of the day, her being home was a point of celebration But there is a large group of people that it infuriated confusingly. And I can't even begin to process their like their cognitive reasoning in why they were so taken aback by Brittany being brought home, especially with the work that she's doing to bring other families home. And that shouldn't I I don't even want to get into how that shouldn't even be her responsibility, but she has taken it upon herself to be the spokesperson of that and really activate behind it and advocate behind bringing these families home. But just knowing that there's that hate in the world and that she's been subjected through it through commercial flying bothered me a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting because your point of view, I think was not the majority of what people were thinking about. 
I think so many people when they heard about this were like, up, oh, here we go. We need to talk about charters. Like this wouldn't have happened if the players were on charters. And it was really interesting. I believe it was the on the Sunday game following this at Barclays Center. We asked uh, Brianna Stewart all about this. And of course, mm-hmm. she has been banging the drum when it comes to pushing for charter flights. And she said pretty blatantly, she said, I am not the one who can grant us charter flights. I won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And she sort of said, but I happen to believe that all of us, all of the players, we just want BG to be as safe as she can be. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't care if she charters and, you know, we won't be able to. And so that I found to be really interesting. Um I will say this, Jackie, and this is what, and I don't want this misinterpreted. Sure. Um, With the BG situation, that is the main point of contention here. That is where people should focus. BG needs to be safe. Mm -hmm. Now, players, do I think they need to fly charter? Absolutely. But in this specific case, when we're talking about WNBA travel regarding Brittany Griner's safety because of her circumstances when she was wrongfully imprisoned for 294 days that is it's something that you need to bend the rules for that is a necessity to quickly fix and the league has approved the league has told me this is just the quote from the league has told me they have approved all charter for Brittany Griner and I know that there was some pushback with that and there's some varying opinions on that but what I received a quote from the league that said we have approved all charter flights for Brittany Griner. Now, WNBA players, absolutely, because of who they are, because of their size, because of their um, responsibility on the court, because of their scheduling, I absolutely believe that they should fly charter. But this was not, to me, it was not the best time to bring up league-wide charter because the circumstance is so unique to Brittany's life right now. So all the energy, I'm so glad, I think Natasha Cloud tweeted out, Izzy tweeted out too, that the priority that day at that time should be protecting Brittany Griner. And I noticed that a lot of times um, people, individuals have to take, they have to be the casualties in order to start a larger movement. But I don't think that that was an appropriate time to start that because I, I did a thread on Twitter saying how, the CBA was a negotiation. It's a, it's, a, it's a bargaining agreement. And that wasn't at the top of mind for bargaining during the time. And I said, what I think is the flaw in all this is the lack of um, ability to bend the CBA just like based on the circumstances. But in the Brittany Griner case, they did bend it so she could fly charter. But I do think because of COVID and because of the heightened race relations and, and everything in that's going on right now, the world is literally imploding. <laughs> I think that we need to re-examine uh, sooner than later ways to bend the CBA. But when you're talking about contractually binding agreements, bargaining agreements, things that were discussed between the PA and the league itself, it does not prioritize charters in the way that they're requesting right now. So I think it's almost inappropriate to throw in that argument as hard as we did regarding a situation that is so unique to one person. 
That's that's a really interesting point. Um, yeah. I had heard something that there was even. What's really difficult about BG's situation is that, you know, having BG safe and on a charter and, you know, protected in the way she should, it also isolates her. And Mm -hmm. so it's tough because I think part of, and you know BG's psyche better than I do, but she was alone for a large portion of that time. And I think for her, quote unquote, normalcy is just being able to be with her teammates. Uh And so I think that's what also makes all of this so difficult. Uh But something else that I want to throw into this is aside from from charter flights, I mean, I think this situation also tells us that WNBA players are being regarded in a different way in the world right now mm-hmm. than they maybe were five years ago. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. The popularity is growing up. You see major spikes in viewership and, and just investment in the league. And I firmly believe that um, the the resources they have, the desires that they want um, going into the next bargaining agreement is going to look really bright. Uh, I believe their popularity warrants more security. I think their popularity warrants charter flights, but I do know, knowing the commissioner, she wants to set a precedent of sustainability. So even, you know, the rumors were that like, you know, certain owners will pay for three years, but then what? You can't provide a service for players and then backtrack if it's not something that can be sustainable for the the rest of the league's history, which would be forever and ever and ever. Cause you know, the league is never imploding, but like you, we need to make sure when you sign these, that it makes sense financially. And so there's so much of the trickle down effect. They're asking where the 75 million went to. It went to marketing. It went to a staffing a league that can stand on its own. It went to um, really being able to fund the, the building blocks so that you can blossom into like a desirable league in in the way that is equitable to to men's league treatment that is what the investment came towards and so when it comes to like viewing the popularity of women's sports now and having owners that are willing to do you know these these things for players I'm all for it but I also have to look at people who are on the business side and taking my heart out of it and say hey if you, it's like, it's like if you're a teacher, right. And if you're super nice on the first day, you can't just turn mean halfway through the school year, you have to maintain consistency and not take away anything. So it, until the league's at point at a point financially where they can afford to have these charters consistently for the rest of its existence, then I like, do I think some things are a little too precautionary? Yes. Do I think that the, it, the heart is in the right place. Yes. Um, so until that happens, they're going to have this push and pull between ownership and leagues. And let, let's be very clear, Jackie, all owners aren't the same either. All owners do not believe in the same thing. There has to be a general consensus. The owners have to pay for it. They have to pay for it. And that's another battle that I've seen. I've seen tug and pull, like who's, who's paying for these charters? Is it going to be the owners? Is it going to be the league? Is it going to be the players? Like what's happening with that? So until everybody can get on it, the proper accord it's not going to work but that's going to come but the fact of the matter is Brittany needs security and that has in the league's 
side said it's approved. Now there was a pushback on the PA that I just, I'm confused about what's going on between the league and the PA, but everybody just needs to get on the same page. But at the end of the day, Brittany's safety comes first right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was, as I said before, that was something that a lot of the discourse was missing, which was to sort okay. of separate the two. Um, we're going to dive into more of that discourse about ownership and how that relates to charter flights in our second segment. And also we'll be talking about the PA and just the team side of WNBA travel. But first, I want to remind you all about bird dogs, which they are one of our wonderful sponsors for today. Yes. So let's talk a bit about bird dogs. So are you looking for something really comfortable to wear in the summertime? I don't know, something akin to Lululemon or Fabletics, but maybe something more masculine fitting. And I say this because as we know, gender is a fluid thing and folks should be willing to wear what they feel the most comfortable wearing. But anyway, let me introduce you to bird dogs. They are pants and shorts and bathing suits with so much versatility in their fit, but also they're just so comfortable. Their stretchy fabric makes your legs look great. And according to my editor, Howard Megdahl, they are much more comfy than other shorts and pants. Bird dogs uh, fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They also use an anti-stink sweat fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day. What's brilliant about bird dogs is they can be worn almost anywhere. Wear them when you are just hanging out, at a meeting, or on a date. So with summer finally here, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. And let us get back to our segment. Boom. All righty. So in segment two, and before we get to segment two, I also just wanted to thank you all for listening to Locked on Women's Basketball. And tomorrow, our WNBA draft and pro player development scouting crew, I know that is a mouthful, <laughs> but they are back and they will be discussing how they think the rookies and second-year players are doing this season. Tune in tomorrow to find out. Okay, so Ari, I think where we are next here is I think we need to remind our listeners about exactly how different teams in this league and even the Players Association are trying to bend the line here mm -hmm. and how they're trying to make this very difficult situation in the CBA a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different places where we can start. I mean, we can even remind people about what happened on July 10th, 2021, which was sort of what started all of this. 
Um, and then chronologically, we can make our way to a really interesting column from the Washington Post that um, Candace Buckner wrote that revealed some new ways in which the league and the PA are, are trying to make things better for players. So Ari, where do you want to start? Uh, let's set up the timeline, Jackie. What happened July 10th, 2021, Jackie? What happened on July 10th, 2021? Well, I'm opening up this tweet we have here from the New York Liberty's own Jocelyn Willoughby. So here's what she tweeted on this day. My first trip this season, one for the books, Thursday, spent nine hours in the airport, all for a 2 p.m. flight to be rescheduled for Friday. Friday, get to Indy at noon, play at seven. Saturday, flight back scheduled for 11 a.m., delayed until 4.30 p.m. We made it back, but I almost forgot to add, on Sunday, we have a game at 2 p.m. That was the New York Liberty's travel fiasco before yeah. July 10th or leading up to that date. And that whole situation set up a string of tweets that we saw from Liberty owner Joe Sai, mm -hmm. where he spoke about getting to the bottom of WNBA travel, being very upset that his players had to go through all of this. He wrote, enough is enough. I'm going to solve this transportation problem for good at WNBA at New York Liberty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He tweeted this on July 10th, 2021. Uh -huh. So Ari, what happened next? You know what? I just want to stop there because I want to show you how much um, or how lopsided ownership investment really is in ownership capabilities. So I just, I, I know that certain owners would spend all their money to make sure players are safe and, and they're, they're chartering and they're having the best experience. But some ownership groups, the reality is they can't afford it. And this this goes into talks of expansion and how Kathy wants like ownership that's you know valuing these professional sports teams um, at a price point that she knows that they can afford these new luxuries that people are requesting. Um, yep. So you see how into it Josiah was. You see how into it certain owners are like emphatically saying, no, we will cover it. But if you can't have that equally distributed throughout the league, it becomes really, really difficult. It becomes even an unfair advantage. I, like I said, I am all for players chartering, but it has to be a situation outside of Brittany. Um, if we were to agree to this, how can it be fair and equal? And that's where I'm at with that. But that timeline that she tweeted is freaking wild. There is no reason why somebody I'm paying to see play on a basketball court should be subjected to all the things that I go through in the airport. And it's crazy because I know that they have a new clause where they can go into those um, airport clubs. It was mind blowing to me that certain players didn't know about the airport clubs. That is confusing because what I'm not going to do is sit in the airport without going to United Club. I'm a United Club girly. 
I will take my butt into a club in a heartbeat. Um, but the fact that these memberships didn't exist prior, we're like, why, what, what y'all travel all the time. Y'all travel just as much as me, if not more. And so I'm glad that there, there are little things being put in place to have um, slight mm -hmm. amendments to what, what's contractually bound right now. Um, we still have a lot to go, especially with player satisfaction with those, those bins. But starting at the time, we're, we're starting off pretty strong with that completely dramatic, dramatically horrible experience that Jocelyn went through. Yeah, I mean, Jocelyn also, just to add some context, she did not play in 2021. She ruptured her Achilles yeah. in the preseason. And so this was her first trip following surgery. And yeah. so, you know, just imagine how isolating it was for her during that whole process. Mm -hmm. Now she finally gets to be with her team. And then this this literal event outside of Pandora's box happens. Uh -huh. um, and so, as we know, what happened was the size, Josiah and Clara Wusai, decided to act unilaterally. And the Liberty uh, Road Charters... Uh, for the second half of the WNBA season. And then, of course, uh, Howard Megdahl wrote a story that spoke about the $500,000 fine that was given to the Liberty because they did this unilaterally. Mm -hmm. But going back to what you were saying about the, the things that the Players Union has been providing to the players, so you were just alluding to Priority Pass mm -hmm. and, and the deal that the Players Union has with Priority Pass and that in different locations, players can go into these more comfortable lounges. And so I was on the website actually moments before we came on to record, Ari. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see... Like at JFK, there are so many lounges, players, there are so many places where they can go. But then you look at maybe, I don't know, I think it was Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You look at the Atlanta airport, mm -hmm. maybe there's one mm -hmm. and it might not be in all of the terminals. So again, there are some, there are some issues there. And then we saw today, we got a press release from the Players Association talking about the Farmer's Fridge deal, which that sounds great as well, but it's the same issue. So Farmer's Fridge, it's a vending machine company that's going to give players healthy food while they wait to go on planes because we know how terrible airline food is. But same thing with the Priority Pass. It's like, there are only fridges in certain airports. And what if that team can't get to where the fridge is? So these are very unique and very creative solutions to try mm -hmm. to lessen the burden on players. But we aren't where maybe we want to be. And we won't get there until the renegotiation. That is just the fact we're dancing around it a lot as a people and as, you know, as media, as fans, as, you know, friends of these players, we're dancing around the fact that until there can be a point of renegotiation, nobody's going to be fully satisfied with how the travel is right now. Because mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is these are professional athletes and they need, you know, charter flights, period. There's no, there's no way around it. These are elite level athletes and they deserve charters. And now that it's brought to light how, insufferable these moments are because we have a generation coming up demanding more 
Yep. Um, they're going to be at the height of the new, um, you know, bargain, the new agreement that the PA and the league has to have, the players in the league have to have. Um, because if you think back to the last renegotiation, they wanted a better revenue split, which it's happening. They want a, a maternal care. They want their own rooms. That that was at the top of their list because some of these things, like private flying, weren't even they weren't top of mind because the league wasn't thriving as much as it is now. And so now that they realize like these are things we deserve, they can really fight more for those things that they feel they deserve right now and that they frankly do deserve right now. And so we're, we see the, the meal plans, we see the, the club passes, we see the, you know, different airlines that would fly them charter, but it's not available in every area and you have to fire a certain flight plan it just doesn't work for sports. But these are bins that these are quick finds that we can have that don't alter what's already been signed to agreement. But I guarantee you the second there's a point of renegotiation. No, no, I don't have breaking news. Look, Jackie, Jackie. <laughs> I guarantee you in the point of renegotiation, more players are going to pay attention because they see how it impacts them more. Because I do know it was like pulling teeth, like to get a lot of them to pay attention to the negotiations. Um, mm. It's going to be a more collective effort. I firmly believe that. And they're going to demand more because now they can, because the, the numbers are matching. The business is matching. Um, the business model is becoming more sustainable as an individual league instead of dependency on the NBA. There's a lot of things that, that lend themselves to favor the players when they demand more. And that wasn't the case. They couldn't, they didn't have that type of leverage. The last agreement. That's a fascinating point. I think the most fascinating part of that and something that who knows, maybe you and I will have a whole other show about this mm -hmm. is the concept of how you were saying that, you know, players weren't paying attention. And so now that you have new leadership, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. NECA is still running things because NECA is brilliant. And the president of life, literally NECA. And she knows how to organize, but you have someone like Kelsey Plum, mm -hmm. you have someone like Brianna Turner, mm -hmm. uh, Brianna Stewart, you have these new people on the executive committee. Mm -hmm. I just wonder what role they're going to play in making sure that all players are heard, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I, I really am curious to that because I do know that has been a critique, but I do know that players now are more vocal about their wants and needs. They're more vocal mm -hmm. in communicating. They're not afraid to stand up for it. And as long as they can come together to find something that's um, feasible, I think that more of their needs are going to be met. And I think that because of the new network deal, especially, um, that's going to put a lot more money in the pockets because honestly, their last network deal was heavily undervalued because of where the WNBA was in that network negotiation. Mm -hmm. But there's it's guaranteed it only makes sense business wise numbers wise that the new network deal is going to put way more money in their pockets and may way more um investment into resources uh NECA has a great way of staying centralized and so that she can um try to make both sides happy mm -hmm. and i think that from even even who's on the i don't know what they call it like the not the c-suite but like who's in the governing body of the PA now, it looks a lot different and a yep. lot more um, 
a lot. It's it's just better distributed amongst the league to represent different types of players. But I really, I really hope that players know what happens when they don't get involved in it so that they will be more involved in it um, when they do have the the player calls and things and in the town hall meetings and what they want. But the priorities have switched. Are your priorities, are my priorities, our priorities are very different now than they were in 2019 because we have gone through collective trauma. We've gone through all these life events. We've, the world literally, again, like I said, is imploding. And so there are different priorities now. And so safety is definitely one of them. So the, the, the charter flights are going to be at the top of the list. The, the new salaries are going to be at the top of the list because they're going to be making more money, frankly, because of the network deal. Like there, there's so much more to fight for. And I just really hope the ownership is ready for it. I hope the owners have enough, like, and you see the different ownerships changing too, so that they can have a more lucrative, um, you know, deal with their players. Yeah, I mean, as I spoke about at the top of the show, last last time I was hosting this show, I was talking mm-hmm. to James Kay all about the Chicago Sky and the mm-hmm. interesting way in which they're trying to stabilize their franchise. Um, but so coming up, what I want for us to discuss in our final segment is just looking historically at how the NBA uh, got into using charter flights. And I'm going to refer to a wonderful, wonderful piece written by the one and only Lindsay Gibbs. And yes, but first I do want to remind you all about game time. So one moment to do this. Pow. Yes. (laughs) So let's discuss game time, shall we? Mm -hmm. So as many of you know, I'm a Lady Gaga stan and a pop cultural connoisseur. And you could imagine how much of a struggle it is to deal with the cues on Ticketmaster in order to get tickets. Buying tickets to enjoy a concert or even a WNBA game shouldn't be this stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets at their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over getting the tickets and being in the queue and start getting pumped for the fun that you are about to have. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. Okay. Now, I do want to talk to y'all about prize picks, which is a fun app that... So basically, tonight, as in Friday night, there are two WNBA games on deck. Liberty are taking on the Dream at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and then the Wings are in L.A. at 10 p.m. Eastern. So how many points will Stewie score tonight? How many assists will Haley Jones dish out? Does Arike come out following getting ejected on Tuesday night and put up a 50-piece? Who knows? You can go to prize picks and you can play by making player projections. Pick up two to six players and if they score more or less than the prize 
pick projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize picks projections um, are on any sport you watch. This includes obviously the W. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and it's easy. You download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up. First time users can uh, get a $100 instant deposit matchup, and you can use the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Not forget to enter promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And we are back. Boom. I love that. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. So before we get into some of the history, though, mm -hmm. I think something we missed in the previous segment is this discussion of this interesting airline service that has come into our, I guess, peripheral, and that is the one and only JSX. Uh -huh. And so, again, obviously there was some reporting um, from Candace Buckner, and then you had some from, um, I believe, Josh Weinfuss. So... The Las Vegas Aces were using JSX in a way that the league did not allow. They were creating their own routes, which the league introduced JSX as a way to smoothen out travel. Mm -hmm. But what they said to teams was, hey, you have to use the routes that the company has already set. Mm -hmm. You cannot say to them, hey, we want you to make XYZ route. Mm -hmm. Vegas did this, apparently. And the league found out and was like, nope, you have to cancel this flight. And the reason I bring this up is because, according to Josh Weinfuss at ESPN, that is what the Mercury are going to be given. Mm -hmm. So apparently, BG will be on charters, but the Mercury will be able to be on JSX with her. Mm -hmm. And the Mercury will be able to map out their own routes. Mm -hmm. And so, again, this brings back to the beginning of our show, Ari, where you were sort of saying, like, we have to separate BG's mm -hmm. situation from the rest of the league. Mm -hmm. And I will say that's a really hard thing to do. It is. It is. But, you know, what you said, which I agree with, is creating normalcy for Brittany. So if this is helping her mental, that is good. But the the parity of it, it comes into question when you do allow a full team to do it. Like I said, nobody's going to be satisfied until these these charter flights are are for everyone. And that's just period. Um, people could now it opens up the argument of unfair advantage for Phoenix when it, they do get to this travel uh, charter situation and they can bend a little bit more. But at the end of the day, especially from the player's perspective, they want to do whatever they can to make Brittany feel safe and complete now that she's back on American soil. So um, it's tricky. It's clouded. It's gray. There's no really right or wrong here. Um, I, as illegal as it might have been <laughs> and, and they rescinded it for the aces. I love that. The Aces ownership group is showing, hey, this is a the top level organization and we're going to do top level things for our top level, level players. 
And Mark Davis has said that by any means necessary. Some of it, I mean, is a little frowned upon. But I think that that sets a good standard for standard for going forward. Like, hey, I'm demanding better for my players. So the demand will come again, renegotiations. But as far as the Britney situation, that because it is directly tied to Britney, I would say give a little grace when it comes to Phoenix being able to do this because of the extre- uh, extraneous like circumstance here, because of the extremes that Brittany has had to go through. And we just want to make sure that like, no matter what she feels safe. And so I think there's a a hint of selflessness that needs to come into play here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can be enraged by it. Like if that's what you choose to do, but there's, you can, it doesn't take much to understand why Phoenix would need to do this and no other team could. Um, But I do see the pushback if the general argument is, hey, if you have groups willing to do it, why not let them? And the argument from the league is uh, because we don't want to create this disparity. I get that. I fully get that. I think that right now, though, the the the, the thought process should be whatever Brittany um, needs to do to to function. Yeah. Like a normal human again, um, we, we can take ourselves out of it and make sure that, that happens. The thing that's interesting about JSX, though, is I looked at the map that's on their website and you can sort of see the hubs. And I was like, okay, this service is interesting, but it only really benefits teams that are on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, the teams on the East Coast, including the Liberty and Mm -hmm. then even the teams in the Midwest. So the Lynx, the Sky, the Fever. They don't really have a way to use this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can only sort of use it when they go to Dallas. But you know, it, it begs the question: if one conference or one half of the league uh-huh. has a resource, then what is the East Coast and the yeah, Midwest? I think that's a great indicator that the East should push back. I think that there is room for pushback. I think there's room for discussion, room for improvement, room for bendability going forward. And this is just. A small step. I know we always are like small steps, crumbs going forward, going forward. Um, I think this is another way to be like, hey, wait, I actually don't like this. What can we do for our East Coast teams? What can we do for our Midwest teams? Now, I do know that a lot of like, especially in the Midwest, they drive a lot because they're so close. But like, how can we ensure that this parity is throughout the league? And owners and teams and players have every right to push back on this specific thing. And I think they have, I think that they have pushed back and there has to be another solution created. Um, I just wish there was a way that we had like instant gratification and satisfaction with just chartering everybody. I wish there was a way that we could have just been like, you know, there's an infinite amount of money and everybody can, everybody can have it, but that's not the reality right now. So there, I think that it's going to be a fix to it very soon. Yeah, I mean, there was an interesting quote from Terry Jackson when she was on Outside the Lines, Mm -hmm. and she said, quote, I think the league needs to take travel off their plate and give it to the teams. Mm -hmm. Let's not let competitive advantage, this old notion of competitive advantage, hold us back from what we need to do for these players. And Mm -hmm. so what I find interesting about that is I think there is a group of teams that can absolutely do it, no problem. Without even sweating. <laughs> I want to say it's around, let me count in my head. I think it's maybe five. Five, mm-hmm. out, I... of, five out of the seven. Mm-hmm. So my thought is, well, 
then why can't the teams that can't afford it make an appeal to the league and say, because if the league is saying like, oh, we, we don't have enough money to charter for everyone. But then in this case, it's like, okay, well, a certain amount of teams don't have to use the league for chartering. They can use their ownership. But then these teams can use the league and that will be less expensive than the entire league itself. At that point, think like an owner. Why am I spending my own money when the W is providing this for other teams? And so it just creates more drama, more. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just a lot. It's a lot to make so many people happy. But I do know one thing. I do know that y'all they get in charge of the next negotiation. Now, I don't see that. I don't see them passing the CBA without a charger charter flight situation but and i honestly don't even think it will take that i just think that they need to have a solution that works for all parties like sooner than later and have that vendability and i think that there there's so much pressure now to to come up with a quicker solution so we should see that soon and i'm not speaking on behalf of the league when i say that i just i just predicting that because of the pressure put on it that it's going to be hard to maintain the argument of oh we want the sustainability of it oh we want you know, everybody to be fair um, when the need is there, whether it be player safety, player comfort, COVID, you know, all these things. Yeah. It's just, it's sad that it has to be this way. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. sad that, you know, BG had to go through what she went through for us to be, to really be having to think about this in this way. I agree. Um, you know, it's interesting pulling up some of the history that Lindsay Gibbs went into. And this is the last thing that, that I'll bring up before we sign off. But apparently in the late 90s, uh, there wasn't really this competitive advantage thing that existed in the NBA. So in March of 1994, the Tampa Bay Tribune reported that 21 out of 27 NBA teams chartered flights for nearly all of their road games. Mm-hmm. So a question that I would just love to pose to, uh, to, to Ari, to the listeners as we sign off is, so if the NBA wasn't really talking about competitive advantage, why is the W? I think that's just a, a matter of social media utilization now. Now players have more of a voice and they can, um, share their experiences and it just creates more tension because it will be widely known way faster Mm. than it was back in the early nineties. And I think that men especially have the luxury of um, having the heroes, the villains, they have those layer things when in the W it's, it's been historically so focused on everybody just get along. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a cultural conversation for a different day of why we, are so hard pressed to like have, you know, peace and unicorns and rainbows as opposed to, yeah, this is just, is what it is. It's just a different, it's a cultural thing when it comes to that. Um, But I I do know that like you you see this, like for example, the NCAA, right? The weight room situation, you saw how that spread like a wildfire. So imagine if, you know, um, New York is flying private, but then Chicago's not. And Chicago's like, well, they won this game because it is because I wasn't comfortable. Like we had delays in the airport and New York's just chilling, eating their sushi on a plane. Like it just, it just is not, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. And we wouldn't have that in 94 because they could depend on 
the media steering their narrative back back then. But now that's not the case because we have a firsthand view on player experiences and their actual sentiments about everything. That's a good point because that was sort of what started this whole charter discourse to begin with in 2021 when we were seeing what Liberty players were posting on social media and this trip to Napa. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And I also want to thank or give a huge thank you and a huge shout out to Ari Chambers for coming on the show. Please follow her on all of the interwebs at (laughs) Ari Ivory. You can see it right there, but if you're listening, you spell that A-R-I-I-V-O-R-Y. And please tune in tomorrow for our draft crew and pro player development scouting Bunch will be back and they will talk all about how the rookies and second year players are doing. This has been Jackie Powell and the one and only Ari Chambers, and we are signing off. Welcome to Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. 